Welcome to the Power Your Life radio show with host and success doc, Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Hello, everyone, and thanks so much for joining me wherever you are on the globe. And many of us have suffered from anxiety and know what that feels like or have friends or family members who've really gone through that. And it can be not only frightening but really disturbing. I remember one man reporting that he felt like he was having a heart attack, which is pretty scary, and ended up in and the emergency room because that's exactly what he thought he needed to do. So if that's the truth, many of us know people, how do you help yourself? How do you help someone else that's going through that? Well, today we have an answer. I have with me today Corinne Zupko, who is going to share how you can go from anxiety to love and live a worry-free life Filled with, guess what, miracles. Yes, miracles. Author Corinne Zepko is a mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher who studied psychology out of necessity. She personally struggled with debilitating anxiety for nearly three decades, and they threatened to derail her life. Seeking ways to do more than temporarily alleviate her symptoms, Corinne studied A Course in Miracles, mindfulness meditation, and the latest therapeutic approaches to treat her anxiety. As Corinne healed her own mental anguish, she compiled the perception-shifting process that she describes in her book, From Anxiety to Love, a Radical New Approach for Letting Go of Fear and Finding Lasting Peace. As a licensed counselor and keynote speaker, Corinne has helped thousands of individuals through counseling, weekly meditation classes for corporations, and the largest virtual conference of ACIM in the world through the organization Miracle Share International, which Corinne co-founded. Welcome, Corinne. Welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you for such a warm, beautiful welcome. I'm really excited for what we're going to co-create today. Well, I am too, and this book is wonderful because it doesn't just talk about the symptoms or fixing the symptoms. It really gets further to the root of what's going on with the problem and and giving our readers and our our listeners these strategies that really help people shift how they're viewing themselves and how they're viewing the world. However, I want to hear your story because you went through a living hell and oftentimes we don't know where to turn or what to do and and like i t- like i mentioned that that guy was thinking he was having a heart heart attack someone else complained that she felt like she was going crazy what's what happened to you Corinne? 
Well, I chuckled when you just said it sounds like I've been through living hell because absolutely that is a great description for what it was like. And I relate to both of what you, the stories that you just shared, feeling like you're going crazy and thinking that you're having a heart attack because I don't know the statistics, but that actually many emergency room visits for heart attacks end up being panic attacks and anxiety attacks. So my story, I was basically born anxious at a very young age. I was diagnosed with my first psychiatric diagnosis of separation anxiety disorder. My poor mom couldn't leave the room, even in our own house, without me screaming my head off. And as I grew, I grew out of the separation anxiety disorder, but it's as if the fear sort of morphed and kind of went underground and then came out differently. Because as I grew up, I developed a number of phobias. I had a lot of worry. By the age of 12, I actually had an ulcer. And when I got to college, College age years are a time when mental health issues surface for a lot of people, and I was no exception. So I remember it was December of, I think, 1996 when I learned that a student who I did not personally know died very suddenly of meningitis. He was fine the night before and then found dead the next morning. And I remember learning that and feeling this spike of fear come up through me because my biggest anxiety triggers were always health concerns. Oh, is there something wrong with my body? Oh, is that tiny pain, you know, the worst possible disease? I'd always go to the worst case scenario in my head. So when that happened, I remember just feeling freaked out, but I calmed myself down enough to get through the day, went to bed, and then three o'clock that next morning, it was as if I was punched in the stomach with a flood of stress hormones. And I remember sitting upright, gasping for air, trembling, sweating, shaking all over. My knees were barely strong enough to like hold my body as I climbed down my bunk bed ladder because I was, I was trembling so terribly. And I thought I was dying. I thought I was going crazy. I thought I was having a heart attack. I thought I was literally about to die. And it was in those desperate moments that I actually picked up the phone, called my mother, who it was a miracle that she heard the phone ring because like mother, like daughter, I now, and she still <laughs> sleeps in earplugs and a white noisemaker, like anything to block out noise, but she heard the phone ring. And so she picked it up and we together figured out that I was having a panic attack and that I was going to make it through. And she instilled hope for me that we'd find help. So it was that darkest moment when I became open and willing to try anything to feel better. And the panic and the anxiety would be around for quite some time. I had out of the blue panic attacks for years. I even had another really debilitating episode of anxiety in about 2009. And this is actually after I had developed a spiritual practice and had already been studying this spiritual text called A Course in Miracles. But the precipitating event to this 2009 episode of anxiety was intense stress in my job. And I remember just feeling like my psyche suddenly exploded. And there I was in the middle of just thick, debilitating, overwhelming anxiety to the point where my stomach would be in such a knot. It was like I couldn't eat. 
for anybody listening, you know, it's so hard to describe what it feels like to somebody who's never had a panic attack. But one of the best ways that I can describe it, it's as if your awareness constricts. It's like you get tunnel vision. And so anxiety becomes your only reality. It's like the only thing that you feel. It's the only thing that you know, and it feels like there's just no way out. So I've been through a ringer (laughs) in the past and through my darkest moments though, and we'll talk about, you know, the shifts and and the, the process that I worked myself out of this into a rock solid piece. But for anybody listening who can relate to my story, even just the more everyday anxieties that I think we all struggle with. I mean, turn on the news. There's a thousand and one reasons to be anxious. We don't have to have anxiety to the high degree that I did to be able to recognize it in our lives. It shows up in many different ways. It's, it certainly does, and we're living in a high-stress time, and, and oftentimes that translates for, for many people, as you know, Corinne, into full-fledged anxiety. I have a question, because you said that, that you sort of came into this lifetime with, with that sense of anxiety and whatever. Do you, is there any reason, I mean, we, we really don't, won't be able to verify anything. I mean, what, what did your, did your mother go through something with you when you were in the womb or any, anything that would help to describe why at such an early age you had those, those anxious feelings and experiences? Yeah, so I did go through a couple of traumatic experiences when I was actually too young to remember them. And the earliest one was I was around one and my mom had an ectopic pregnancy and she didn't know that she was having an ectopic pregnancy and the doctors couldn't figure it out. And so she came close to dying and she was fine, um, but she was gone suddenly from my life for about a week. And it's funny because I just made this connection not too long ago when my dad was watching my book trailer and he was like, wow, like I never, I, I, he, he, he had some connections, not actually even fully grasping the extent to which I've struggled with this. And he realized that when I was one, when my mom was in the hospital at this time, he took me to see her and he said that he felt like I sensed the severity of the situation even though I had no words to understand it. So it had a huge impact on me where I felt, and I don't remember this, but I think I felt terrified and, you know, very scared and just um, helpless, but had no means of processing that because I was so young. So the way that it came out when my mom came home was that she was not going to leave my sight. But I do believe I was already primed for anxiety because both my mom and my dad and other members of my family have had anxiety issues or issues maybe with depression. So I was kind of primed, I think, already to be very sensitive to fear and to anxiety triggers and worries for sure. You know, it's it, it, it's it's interesting because a lot of people, I don't know statistically, but a lot of people that I've seen that, that have had some anxiety issues, they can trace some of it back to a parent to, and it's not anybody's fault. It's just that, that, that they're, like one person, their mother was very anxious, and, and that was something that they 
picked up on. And with you, when you went to the hospital, you know, oftentimes children and parents, there's this very unspoken emotional, energetic connection that we, and so you probably picked up not only what she was going through and the severity of it, but maybe her fear, maybe your dad's fear, and you didn't have the words, but but it it was translated into anxiety within your whole being, your whole body. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. that's pretty profound. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. and I, oh, I was just going to add that I think it's important too for anybody listening who's a parent you know, immediately the fear then comes up like, oh, I don't want to instill this in my child. Like, what if I've, you know, been too anxious and messed up my child or something like that? And so I really want to just address that in folks right away that if that thought has crossed your mind, remember that the best thing that you can do is to heal yourself, to work on yourself, your own levels of anxiety, your own wellness, your own self-care, because your child will notice that and they will pick up some very positive things. It's like being on an airplane and, and remembering to first take care of yourself and put that mask on so that you can breathe before you apply that to a child or, or someone else that needs help. So definitely. Yeah. So let's I get into that. this a little, a little bit more deeply here. Um you have you what you had to figure out what to do. You had to heal yourself because living that way was was like we talked about this hell, which is not the way to live life. So you explored a lot of areas, and one was just definitely the a course in miracles. Now many of our listeners, I'm familiar with it. Many of our listeners may not be. Can you describe that a little bit and and your journey with that? Absolutely. So A Course in Miracles is a spiritual text. It's a metaphysical textbook. It's been referred to as a psycho-spiritual framework in that it is working very much teaching us how to work with our thoughts, be aware of our thoughts, be aware of what we're thinking. But it's also profoundly spiritual because it serves to help us wake up to our divine, eternal nature, the fact that we are made of love, that love is what joins us all. And we forget that every day, every moment when we instead, you know, tune into the many fearful messages that we get from the world. So of course, Miracles, it's a book, you can get it anywhere books are sold. It is self-study, although many people are helped by studying the book in groups. But it's just one path of many. I am a firm believer that we all have to find a spiritual pathway that works for us. There's not a one-size-fits-all approach. This just happened to click for me. This happened to work for me because I would wrestle with pretty big existential questions. And actually, at a pretty young age, I remember wrestling with the question, if God is love, you know, if they say that there's this statement, God is love. I hear this. And, and well, what does that mean? And how, if that's true, how can a loving God create things that die? Like that just didn't make sense to me. And so I would search for answers to these questions. And I got turned on to reading a lot of different spiritual books. When I, when my mom actually introduced me to A Course in Miracles, because she was the one that began studying it first, She would have initially tried to talk to me about it when I was probably in late high school, early college, and I would literally cover my ears with my hands and I'd say, I'm not interested. Talk to me in English like you used to. I'm just not interested in this spiritual garbage. (laughs) And 
it was not until I was desperate in this place of just pure desperation where I was willing to try anything. And I remember opening the book after I accepted it, when she offered it, I was like, heck yes, I'll try anything. If this is about inner peace, which is what A Course in Miracles is all about. I read the first few sentences. And by the way, when I say the word God, and I define this in my book, I know that's a sticky word. It can be a, a trigger, triggering word that turns us off. I define that as love. And I'm talking love with a capital L, the love of the universe, the love that unites us all. So these initial statements in A Course in Miracles read, nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. And intellectually, I had no idea what that meant. It just made my head spin. It was like a, like a Zen Cohen or, or a, you know, a, a tongue twister. Like I, I just didn't understand what it meant. But I felt this sort of, ex, ex, I had this experience in my chest of almost like a faint little light getting brighter or this dim awareness of love suddenly become greater in my awareness. Something in me lit up when I heard those words. And that continued to be my experience as I would read A Course in Miracles, which by the way, has three different parts. The initial part of the book is a text. Then it moves into a workbook, which is a sort of a meditation where a lesson is provided for every day of the year. So there's 365 lessons. And then the back of the book is comprised of a manual for teachers. We're all teachers and learners in every situation that we're in. So the manual for teachers is actually a great place to start reading if this is a pathway that calls to you. But I'd have the same experience as I would read A Course in Miracles of not always understanding what it said, but something in my heart was resonating. Something in my heart, it was almost like it was humming. Like, yes, you know, this is what you've been looking for. So as I started working the principles taught by A Course in Miracles, meaning I started to learn that we have two thought systems in our mind. We have this thought system of fear, and we know this thought system so well in this world. We all know this thought system. These are the thoughts that tell us that we should be better than we are, you know, that we're not good enough, that everybody else is doing it better. These are the thoughts that judge ourselves that judge other people, that react and attack instead of respond or accept. So we know this fearful thought system very well. Of course, miracles refers to this as the ego thought system. We have this other thought system in our minds, and it's a thought system of love. It's a thought system that sees our unity, that sees how interconnected we are, and that it's a thought system that is peaceful and reminds us that peace is what we're made of and that we are whole already. So this process is about, first of all, recognizing that we have these two thought systems in our mind. We can learn how to distinguish between which voice, so to speak, we're listening to. You know, in my experience, the voice of the ego is, it comes through as thought. But the voice of this loving thought system is not really a voice, but it's more a feeling for me. It's more just that feeling when you get that gut feeling, that instinct, that, that intuition that kicks in, that is this loving thought system that I'm referring to. It's something that we all have, that we've all at least had some experience with 
but it's, it's a relationship with ourselves that we can cultivate. We can increase our awareness of paying attention to this loving thought system in our minds and choose for it instead of choosing for the fear that drives so much of the world. So my journey, you know, I, I think it, I oh, think it's in. important to make your, your hello. Oh, please continue. No, it sounded like you were you were fading out. Okay, it, it's very important to make that distinction. And I, when I feel that love, I don't only feel it; I also hear it. I mean, at at after a, after you're able to get to a place of differentiating, and and it is a journey of differentiating between that ego voice that you're talking about that that creates so much angst and and drama and trauma versus the, that voice of love or that feeling of love, it, it's very wonderfully nourishing and, and healing. So how do people differentiate? I mean, you were talking about one as a thought, and it's not necessarily so, but how do people know, well, this is the voice of my ego, this is the voice that's, that's not the real voice, the one that, that, that I really need to focus on? Great question. I love that question. And first of all, is there any, the best question you can ask yourself is, is there any fear there? Is there any urgency? Is there any desperation? And if there are any of those things, for sure, it's that ego voice. It's that fearful, fearful voice. A Course in Miracles teaches that the ego always speaks first and loudest. So one of the best things that we can do is learn how to get quiet and to slow down and to wait and listen because that initial voice might be that fearful ego voice. Of course, Miracles also teaches that spirit's voice loves voice. So the answer, you know, that guidance is there for us. We just have to learn how to tune in. And may I actually describe an exercise that I share in the book about how to tune in to these different voices? I think it would be really helpful. Sure, let's do that. I actually base this on one of my teachers. His name is John Mark Stroud, and I interviewed him on a podcast. And so this exercise I share in my book, if you think about the knob of a radio, and how we can turn that knob. Um, I, this is like, you know, back in cars in the olden days <laughs> when it wasn't all digital, we actually had knobs to turn. You tune that dial to different channels to listen to different radio stations. So put on a, let's say, hip hop radio station. We're not going to go to a hip hop radio station and get mad that it's not playing country music, right? We would just change the channel, tune that dial to a different frequency to listen to whatever radio station it is that we want for music. Now, listening to guidance, listening to this voice of love is similar in that we can start to recognize, in my experience, my fearful ego voice is very much in my head. It's very much a thought. It's that monkey mind. It's that blah, 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 that Charlie Brown, you know, that voice, wah, 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 <laughs> that is incessant and fearful. If we can tune in to a different channel, you know, we're not going to go necessarily to that same channel to listen to guidance. We might tune into a different channel. So we can ask ourselves, and we can actually do this. You can say, 
if you close your eyes, as long as you're listening and not driving, if you close your eyes and ask, universe, inner guidance system, whatever you want to call it, please direct my attention to the place in my body where I can most easily attune to your guidance. And now just see where your attention goes. And you can ask yourself that question a second time or a third time. Universe, where in my body can I most easily attune to your guidance? And again, just see, allow your attention to be directed to a place in your body where you might attune to that guidance. So maybe it is still your mind because it comes through thoughts. Maybe it's your heart. Maybe it's your gut or your stomach. Or I've heard Reiki people say that they have this, awareness this this go they go to their hands to receive guidance so this is a fun little way to kind of tune in to recognize that these are like two different stations and we can listen to one or the other and we can bring our attention to wherever our mind just went to that place in our body to tune in to our our guidance system you know i think that's a good point to be able to recognize that that you do have choices and that you can tune change the channel i just also want to add because i i had to i went through a lot of self deprecating and anxiety stuff that i had to heal myself with many years ago and and many of my clients it, what they experience in terms of that ego voice is it's so loud it's demanding. It sounds like it's in control. It sounds like it knows better than you, and it's the boss. And you can, and so, in a way, you've got to get past that because it's almost like, who is this powerful being that's in my head that's that that's causing all this? And it's really not a powerful anything. It's just the the ego that's trying to usurp your own power rather than that other voice that's that voice of love that you're describing. So I think it's important to recognize that because many people get so waylaid by that. They they hear that voice and it's like they want to cower in a corner because how do you how do you even dialogue or stop that that voice that sounds like it's so much more than than you are. That's such a great point. And I was actually asking for guidance at one point in how to describe this. And the image came to mind. If you've ever driven by like a grand opening, a store, you know, that, that has a grand opening or just wants some type of traffic or attention, you know, those balloon, it's like a balloon man. It's a tall, thin balloon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. And it like waves and whips back and forth in the air as the fan, you know, underneath it is like pumping air puffs into it. And I like to think about that ego voice as being that balloon man, that whipping, you know, seemingly maybe kind of scary, um, noticeable voice, but we're the ones that are pumping belief into it. It's totally dependent on us pointing the fan into that nylon bag, which is nothing. (laughs) So I love what you just said, because we have to really recognize that this voice that is so demanding and says it's in control and that we cower to, it's, it's actually based on nothing. It's an empty shell. And the moment we stop pumping our belief into it is that moment that we recognize that we have the power to choose again. Wonderful, because it's so important. Now, we both know that that 
getting from anxiety to a place of calm to a, to to inner peace to recognizing that we really are from love and I believe in that totally and teach that as well. How do you talk to people who are going through on a daily basis that that level of anxiety where life like you described, you know, you feel like you're having a heart attack or you or 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 you can't breathe. How do you help people and and get them to understand that it may take a little time? And how do you work with those immediate panic-stricken situations, even though it's a process? Mm, great question. So one of the first things that I like to share with folks is the example of an onion. An onion has many layers. And for the purposes of teaching what I'm sharing in my book and also what A Course in Miracles teaches, we can actually imagine that at the center of that onion is love. And we are not aware of that love that is always there because it's covered in layers, these layers of an onion, which are actually like layers of fear. We have many different layers of fear in our mind. And sometimes we can hit a layer that feels really intense. So we might be in a lot of panic, in a very high state of anxiety. But the point is that we have to remember that this is just a layer of fear and that love and peace and joy abides in each one of us. It's there already. There's nothing we have to do to get it. We just have to allow those layers of fear to be removed so we can remember and know again that love that is already there. So that's the first thing that I would want to remind folks that love is already in you and that this is just a layer of fear coming up to be healed. And in the immediate moments of panic and anxiety, as you said, when we started, many people think they're going crazy. So I always like to remind people, you are not going crazy. You are learning how to become more sane. <laughs> it's the fear that's <laughs> insane and what you are is and we're learning how to remember our sanity, remember the, the love that exists in all of us. And another important point is for people to remember that anxiety exists only in linear time, which means it has an end. It does not last forever. It's going to come to an end. And the third thing, this is a technique that it's helpful if you're in a high state of anxiety, or it's even helpful right now as we're sitting here, if you're even feeling calm already. And this is just to bring your attention to your torso, to your, your core, and just notice your breath. And as you're noticing your breath and your torso, soften your abdominal muscles. Don't change anything, but just very gently, as much as you can, just soften your stomach. Just let any tight feelings in your stomach just soften. And immediately you might notice that that brings about a sense of calm. Your breathing now shifts into a more diaphragmatic breath, a calmer breath, a more complete breath, breathing from high up in the chest, which is what we usually do in our culture because we're taught like, oh, suck in your stomach, you know, have a tight stomach. That automatically creates a much more shallow breath that is associated with stress and anxiety. So if you think about a puppy or a baby, they breathe with their whole belly. They're not constricting their stomach, their torso. So we can just soften our belly muscles and immediately sitting here, if you're feeling calm already, it can help even relax you further. 
If you're feeling anxious and a high degree of anxiety, this can help you move through that much more quickly. When we tense around the anxiety, it just keeps it going. It just makes it worse. Wonderful. That's a great idea for people. And, and again, it's something that they can do on their own very quickly. And like you said, Corinne, it works. <laughs> so that's important. It does. Now, in your book, and I want to get back to your book a little bit, in, in your book you have many different techniques and, and strategies that can help people. Can you give our listeners a few examples of them and, and um, their usage? Absolutely. So, I don't want to give them everything because I want them to buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll give you the the big healing process that I use for everything. And this okay. is what I share in the book, but it's going to sound so simple. You know, truth and love are simple. It's the ego that makes everything complex. And so as I share these three steps, if you're listening, you might think, okay, I just did that really quick in my head. Nothing happened. Now what? <laughs> and this is where I actually break these three steps down and give, I think, a total of 20 different right. things to do and things to think, ways that we can apply these steps in a different angle to help untangle the fear in our mind, to help loosen our tight grip that we have around fear and around, you know, the, the, the or that, that tight grip that it seems like the ego has around us, but that we just are really hanging on to ourselves. So this three-step process, the first step is about finding your willingness. And this is about finding your willingness to see your problem differently. So your problem might be anxiety. Maybe it's a relationship problem. Whatever your problem is, ask yourself, am I willing to see this differently? Willingness is the precursor for change. In order for any change to come about in our lives, we have to be willing. We have to want it. We have to prioritize it. We have to want it to happen. So by finding your willingness, you are paving the way for miracles to come. Now, if you're honest, and I encourage you to be radically honest with yourself and with your inner guidance system, there might be times when you are not willing. For instance, if you're in an argument, in a relationship, are you willing to see that other person differently? Heck no. They were just a jerk. They're wrong. You're right. <laughs> so we have to be so honest about our level of willingness and that we might not be willing to see something differently. And if that's the case, I have a little trick that I share in my book where you can ask yourself, am I willing to be willing to see them differently? And you might not be willing, but you might be willing to be willing to see them differently. So there is your tiny bit of willingness. So I'm just going to assume that you found your willingness based on, based on what I just shared. So that's step one, find your willingness. Step number two, give your willingness to your inner guidance system. I call this in my book, your inner therapist. This is the voice of love. This is that loving thought system that knows of our wholeness and our completeness and our love and our light and our truth. Give your willingness to your inner therapist and ask for a miracle instead. A miracle is like that shift in perception. And I can define that in, in a little bit more detail in just a moment, but we're asking our inner therapist to take our willingness and to give us back the miracle. So it's an exchange. And the third step is to trust 
that it's done. We've handed it over. The answer's been given. We might be stuck in one of those onion layers, so we might not be aware of the answer just yet, but we can trust and know that we're going to receive that answer the moment that we're ready to receive it. So this is the healing step, the three healing steps that I use for everything in my life. It's what A Course in Miracles teaches. It's what I teach and expand upon in my book. And I hope that's super helpful for people who are listening. You know, it's interesting, Corinne, because it does sound so simple, and yet it's profound. It's about recognizing that you have to take charge, that you have to also, you talked about letting go a little bit, you have to recognize that, that whatever is going on in your life, it's not, this isn't working, and there's another way. And, and that way is to really help you shift the way you're seeing yourself, like you say in your book, and the way you're seeing the anxiety or whatever it is that, that is causing you angst or pain and to to really consciously make that shift. So it's so very important. You know, we, there's so much in this book and there's so much that you have to share. However, we don't have all that time. So but I want you to tell people is – what are some of the most important areas, and you talked about the, this this healing technique, which I think is so profound. What else do you want people to take away from, from this beautiful book and more? <laughs> Great question. So I want people to take away hope that no matter what mm. your problem is, no matter how impossible a solution may seem that hope is possible, that miracles do happen. I want you to walk away from reading the book, believing in miracles, believing that big shifts and that big shifts can happen and that love is our birthright, that love is who we are. And I really want folks to also take away this idea that our small sense of self, our limited self-concept, our identity of who, who I am is actually much greater than we're aware of. We're, it's like we're aware of a tiny part of who we are. And it's this, you know, concrete part here that seems to be Corinne walking around. And yet there's this expansive awareness that we can tap into that opens our minds to something greater, that something, that something is what connects us all. It's what joins us all. So I hope that people walk away from reading this book with a sense that who they are is actually made of an unshakable inner peace. I say on the back of the book, inner peace is unstoppable. I truly believe that because fear cannot exist in love. Fear, anxiety cannot exist in love. And so as we embody and embrace the love that we are, that anxiety and that fear, it has to fall away. And how beautiful is that? So the healing process is actually pretty simple and that our anxiety issues fall away as we are ready to let them go. So that's you know, my hope. It's, <laughs> it sounds so be- so simple and, and, and to some extent it is. And yes, there are incredible miracles once we say yes, once we say yes to the miracles, once we say yes to our ability to shift our belief system, those miracles appear. And and like you said, we are so much more 
then that little voice that that we you know we we are expansive we are incredible mm-hmm. and this book i recommend this book not just for people that are going through anxiety because it has methodology and methods and and techniques that like you said we can use every day to just put us in a more loving place and in touch with that inner guidance system that we have so tell people how they can get a hold of this book Corinne how they can find you and get a hold of all the beautiful information that you that you represent and that you teach oh thank you so I hang out online on all social media and you can connect with me there. My website is the name of the book. It's from anxiety to love.com. So I have links to my social media accounts. I have a podcast where I share a lot of course in miracles based teachings and it's called from anxiety to love radio. There's a meditation CD that actually corresponds to the meditations in the book that I just released. So that's super exciting as well. And I'll be offering courses from Anxiety to Love uh, classes. And I have a lot of events coming up as part of my book tour. So you can check out the events on my events tab on my website as well. Very exciting. And I wish you the best of luck for with this. And again, folks, from Anxiety to Love, A Radical New Approach for Letting Go of Fear and Finding Lasting Peace. And Corinne is a living example that it's not only possible, but it's a way to really see life and embrace life and love in a beautiful, magnificent way. Corinne, thank you so much for your gifts and for sharing everything, and I wish you luck on your tour. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. This has been a joy. My joy as well. Have a blessed day. Thank you. Thank you. So remember what Corinne was talking about because you have that ability. You you can access and get in touch with that inner voice, the inner therapist, the inner healer, inner guidance, whatever you want to call it. It's profound. And once you are able to tap into that and, and create that connection, you will recognize where the difference is from that ego-driven, as Corinne was so beautifully describing. Remember that you are powerful. You have the ability to shift. You have the ability to change and to transform yourself. And you can let go of whatever it is that isn't serving you, like anxiety, like fear, because it doesn't have to hold on to you and you can control it and make your life and yourself better and stronger. If you want to get a hold of me, you can go to my website, docdocwhite.com, find out about articles and upcoming guests. And remember, each and every day, take one step forward to creating within yourself and in your external environment a sense of power, personal power, not over anybody else, and a sense of peace. Have a blessed day wherever you are, and thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. 
Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.